it's going to be a long journey, but you're definitely not alone. There are thousands and probably millions of families and kids like your own out there in the world. But don't give up. Don't take what the doctor is saying or the school is saying or the teacher is saying as the last word, especially if you feel in your gut that something more needs to be done. Keep at it. Keep researching. Keep looking. Keep finding that answer until you, until you get your child taken care of. Welcome to the Daily Naked Parent Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. On today's show, we'll be discussing how to save your marriage. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Naked Parent Podcast. My name's Chad Ratliff, and before I introduce you to our guest today, let me start by sharing the Naked Parent Nation offering. Naked Parent Nation is a worldwide community of parents and professionals raising children with all kinds of needs. We come together to share our naked truths, support our fellow parents, and inspire the inner growth that each of us needs to build the life and family of our dreams. For the parents that are struggling, we want you to know that we will love you until you can love yourself. For your children, we pray and send power from our collective group. As we come to understand our divine nature, we realize that there's no need to feel sorry for ourselves, be angry, or feel lack. We come to understand that our feelings of limitation and separation are only in our minds. Through self-realization, we expand our consciousness so that the challenges that perplex us today dissipate one by one until we're able to see and experience gratitude and beauty in everything just as it is. We have the power to create any kind of life we want for ourselves and our families. We do this by living in the naked present moment one day at a time. So if you're ready to take back your life or just continue your journey of awareness and consciousness, then let me welcome you to Naked Parent Nation and the Naked Parent Podcast. On today's show, we have Kim Rose Wilbanks. She is a wife and mom of three. Her oldest son is an overachiever and easygoing. He made her believe she was the perfect mom and then had baby number two. The middle son is on the autism spectrum and her youngest, a girl, adopted from Hungary. She's been diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome disorder, and there's a whole lot more. And her experience has created something new that you're going to want to hear about. It's going to help you, your marriage, and your family. Kim Rose, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's my honor and privilege to be here. So you've had uh, quite the journey. It started off, it sounds a little more what they say typical and then you got introduced to the world of special needs with your second child can you tell us when special needs came on your radar you know with my first one i, I wouldn't even call him typical because i kept waiting for the terrible twos to hit and they never did like he never had a meltdown he never had a temper tantrum he just was a really easygoing so i was very critical and judgmental towards the other um, 
parents that I would see in public, you know, and think, well, if you just did this or that, you know. <laughs> and then when my oldest was four, our second one was born, he was an okay baby. I could, t- I felt like something was different about him from my first one, but I didn't want to be like comparing. But when he turned 13 months old, oh my gosh, I knew something is different with this child. Um, the very first thing I ever remember him doing was he walked up to another little guy that was the same age, but much smaller because my son was like one of these bruiser kids, you know, um, his head was as big as a bowling ball. Uh-huh. And um, so he looked a lot older, but he was only 13 months. He walked up to this other little guy and just shoved him as hard as he could. Mm. Um and it came out of the blue. It was not provoked. And I was like, that's weird. Like, he's never done anything like that before. Well, that was just the beginning of all of the behaviors. There was, you know, kicking, um, spitting, biting, hitting, pushing, um, taking away the toys. And it just progressed from there to, like, crying all day long, having several meltdowns. When he was about five years old, we adopted our daughter. We were living in Hungary, working as missionaries, and we adopted her. She was four, and I knew that uh, her birth mom was an alcoholic, so I immediately took her to a doctor and got her diagnosed with a fetal alcohol syndrome. Um, So, yeah, and, and with my son, it was a little bit more of a progression to getting him officially diagnosed because I had a lot of suspicions and I was a researcher. So I was just looking up all the things, trying to figure it out. But then in the back of my mind, I was like, there can't be anything wrong with my child. I was like in denial almost, like I had this perfect ideal of what my family was going to be like. And it did not include special needs, <laughs> Right, right. you know? Yeah. What a contrast from your first child. You're in denial. Is Hungary a, a developed country for special needs? I mean, is that, is it a little bit behind? It's really behind. Um, and, you know, as I found out, my son now is 19. So is the U.S. Right. <laughs> for the higher functioning, especially the higher functioning. I mean, if your child is sitting in the corner and is nonverbal and they're visibly flapping their hands all day long. I say we as America can take care of those kind of kids, but the higher functioning, um, even doctors in the medical is behind. But we did find a really good psychiatrist and she spoke English, yay. <laughs> um, uh, what led to that um, appointment though, was what I would call probably the worst day of my life and forced me to do something. My son at the time was seven. I was doing the dishes. He walks into the kitchen and says, hey, mom. Um, and he's got his little guitar. Um, you want to hear a song I wrote? And I was like, sure, of course. Well, he starts singing this song. It was like my whole world stopped. Everything just went dark because it was the words to the song were that he was tired. He was too tired to live on the earth anymore. And he wanted to go to heaven. Aww. But then he gets to heaven and none of his friends are there. So he's sad because he doesn't have any of his friends. I was like, oh my gosh, he's having suicidal thoughts. 
Wow. Like, we've got to do something. So we took him to the psychiatrist. She diagnosed him with anxiety and depression and probably autism, she said. But she needed to see him more than just the one time. And she recommended that we leave Hungary and come back to the States. So after praying about it uh, for a couple of days, the, the decision was made. We packed up and we left within three months. Wow. And came, and came home. Wow. That was really hard. Yeah. I've, by age seven, are you still in denial? Kind of, and, I mean, kind of, but right before that, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. And I'm curious also if you and your husband are on the same page. Are you both in denial? Are you on the same page? Where? How did that also play into the decision? Yeah, um, that's a good question because all along, like I remember when he was two and when he was four and when he was five and right before we left for Hungary, thinking like, is he okay? Is something wrong? And I would ask my husband, and my husband was definitely in denial, definitely had his head in the sand. And he's like, no, he's fine. He's just different. You know, we're just used to the easygoing one. And I was like, okay, you know, yeah, maybe he's just really strong-willed. And so, yeah, it was the thing that really, like, knocked me in the head before this song my son wrote. And it was just a few months before that, that a Hungarian friend of mine, who had worked in um, the state for 12 years as a special ed teacher. And, but she was living in the same town as I was at the time. And Hungarians are known for being like really blunt and really, they just tell you the truth. And they're not trying to be rude. They're not trying to hurt your feelings. That's just how they are. And she says, yeah, kids like Kale and -and so-and-so, they need a special environment. And I'm like, Hold on, wait up. What what? You think yeah. you think Kills needs special ed? You think he's and she's like, Oh, definitely. Of course he is. And wow. I was like, Oh my gosh. So that felt like a huge slap in the face, but it was something I needed. I needed somebody to say, Yeah, he you know, he is. And then it was shortly after that that he wrote the song and so that got me out of my head in the sand yeah um and i don't think my husband was really along with it until the psychiatrist said yes he's he's definitely struggling he's definitely suffering and you need to get him help and so you come back to the united states and do you proceed to get diagnosis and services or or what were your first steps when you got back to the states yeah, I got him into a university place, and his um, regular primary doctor was very familiar with autism and got him on some medication. And really, looking back on it, I can see that a lot of his behaviors were bipolar um, because he was, you know, really extreme from one, one end of the spectrum, you know, to the other. So, yes, we got him diagnosed. It took a while, though. I mean, of course, you know, it always does. It took a couple of years. And so then I tried to homeschool him at first. That really wasn't a good fit because he needed to be around kids more. And he liked the, you know, the routine and the scheduled rigidity of a traditional school versus a homeschool. 
So I put him in the public school system um, because that friend from Hungary told me the only way he's going to get help is if he's in the public school. And they will, they've got the resources, they will help him. So I was like, okay, you know, put him in. I think it, at third grade, he went into the public school system. And that is not what I found. It was a fight to get him help because he looked fine quote unquote, looked fine. He acted fine. Um, these behaviors were not showing up at school, but at home, they were outrageous. I mean, the behaviors were just horrible at home. That's um, and, he, and even on the playground and like after school, I was getting reports, you know, of aggression. And yeah, so it, that was hard. How did the brothers get along or not get along? Um, it was pretty hairy. They really didn't get along because, you know, of course, my older son didn't understand um, and would, and my older son is more like pretty, like, no, you can't do that. And yes, you have to go here and no, you can't do that. And so that didn't go over well, you know, with my middle son. Yeah. And him and my daughter at the time, it was, horrendous because she had her own set of issues and, and struggles and behaviors and hers were more passive aggressive. They weren't out in, you know, in the open in your face. So it was a mess. Like our family life was just really, really not good. <laughs> and what effect did that have on your marriage? That was, it was really, really hard. My husband and I were fighting a lot because he's very, very traditional. I mean, we both are, you know, we were both raised in the traditional parenting style, you know, getting spanked, you know, having all the privileges taken away, being grounded in your room for a month <laughs> or more, right. um, you know, all the stuff. And so that's the way he was dealing with our son. And I could see that it was making things worse. And it was. It was I was working as a nurse from like 3 to 11 I would get home at midnight and from the parking lot, we lived in his townhome, from the parking lot, I could hear my son screaming at midnight. I mean, screaming, not just crying or weeping, but screaming. <laughs> we had the police called on us for, because of the noise and the crying, you know? Yeah, it was really, it was really bad. So I began to see like, we need to do something different. Like this is not working. And, but my husband was really, really hesitant. He was like, he needs more strictness. He needs, yeah. you know, consequences. And it, and that was not the answer. What was the answer? Or so about that time, yeah, my son was about nine and I was, I'm a researcher. I was scouring the internet, you know, going to all the classes I could. And then I found this one parenting class um, and it was called Collaborative Problem Solving by Dr. Ross Green. And that was the answer. And it's interesting because I kind of instinctively, knowing my son, could kind of tell, like, gee, every time, you know, he's told no, you can't have, he, you know, melts down and has this outburst. And that's exactly what this, this Dr. Russ's parenting method is all about, that you don't look at the behavior you pretty much ignore the behavior and you look beyond the behavior. Why are they acting that way? Why are they responding that way? 
And most of it comes from lagging skills. They don't have the skill for self-regulation. They don't have the skill to be patient. They don't have the skill to sit at the table at dinner. This was one of the biggest things my husband was insisting upon. And it was kind of a, a family thing. And I agreed with it that we would all eat dinner together at the dinner table, talk about our day, perfect little family. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, was, it wasn't working. I mean, my son was hopping up and wanting to run around and throw the ball. And, and my husband would tell him to sit down and eat dinner. And my son wouldn't do it. So then that, you know, the struggle would start, you know, and then my husband would be like, you don't tell me no, go to your bedroom and yeah. then the meltdown. Yeah. And if you don't stop crying, you're getting your computer taken away tomorrow. And, you know, and then it just went on and on and on. So that was one of the first things I implemented talking with my husband. Let's just try this. And I took my, my son aside and this is how it works. You take, you take the child aside when they're, in a good mood and they're regulated and you're calm and you ask them what's going on why you know and the way i was phrasing the the question is why don't you want to sit at the table and eat dinner with us and he says mama i do want to sit at the table and eat dinner with you guys mm. but i can't he says i want to be with you i want to talk and i want to hear about the day but i can't i have too much energy and my mind is like a racing car and I can't stop it. Aww. And I was like, yeah, I can see that. I believe him. So I said, how about, I had this idea, if we get a little basketball hoop, you know, the little kind you put in your, in the bedrooms, our front door was right by the dining room table. We put the, we put the basket, basketball hoop up and you can throw the little, you know, is a little plastic ball and you can stand there and throw the ball um, when you need to. And he says, yes, yes, that's a great idea. So we did that. We started having peaceful dinners. Wow. You know, he wasn't sitting with us, but he was right there. And he would come over every once in a while and interject into the conversation. No more meltdowns at dinner. Because I told my husband, nobody's having a peaceful dinner. <laughs> He's in his room crying till nine or 10 o'clock at night. And our dinners are not peaceful. So, Amazing. um, yeah, we tried that. And it, that was the beginning of my husband being able to see, okay, I'm starting to get it now. We have to look at things different. Because mm -hmm. coming from a yeah. traditional family myself, a basketball hoop would not have gone over well. Um, right. <laughs> uh, right. But it's amazing how thinking outside of the box or getting advice, yes. a small change can make such a big difference. Yeah. So yeah. what started helping you and your husband get on the same page. Was that sort of the beginning of your husband starting to see where you were coming from? Or, or can you tell us about the journey from being conservative to the basketball hoops, the first step, what kind of steps happen after to make the changes that you need to make? Yeah, there was a lot that beginning. It took years. It has taken years to get to where and for me too, like I wasn't perfect at it. The key is that we as the adults need to change first. Our perspective needs to change. Our mindset needs to change. So it involved um, a lot of personal development. Right about that time, I joined a skincare company 
that was really, really big on personal development. And I didn't even know what personal development was. Mm-hmm. I actually was doing it because I read my Bible every day and, but I didn't realize that that was, that can be personal development too. But that was the beginning of just really like doing a lot of soul searching. What are our core beliefs and why do we believe, you know, in the traditional parenting style? Did it work for us as kids? You know, you know, our behavior was good, but our hearts were hard, you know, and we didn't want just robotic children who do what you say and their hearts aren't really in it. So it was a lot of work on our part. It still is. I mean, although to say by the time my son was 14 or 15, he had learned so many personal skills himself and problem solving skills that he would start using my language on me (laughs) when he disagreed with me on something. And he's like, yeah, mom, I see your point. I see, I can, I can see your, and we're talking about an autistic kid here. I see your perspective. I'm like, wow. But my concern is, and he would state his concerns, you know, instead of yelling and screaming and having the whole meltdown and, you know, because, so it was really, really cool to see that was a benefit that I wasn't expecting him being able to learn the problem solving skills, you know, that most of us don't learn until we're adults. Right. Right. That's yeah. cool. Is there a, a label for this kind of parenting style or is this just Dr. Ross's methodology or, or can you tell us about that? If I were to label it, it's, uh, it's collaborative. Okay. It's working with the child, collaborative with the child. It's getting through the meltdown in the moment with empathy, tons and tons and tons of empathy, and seeing the world from their perspective and from their view. And then, like I said earlier, when you're both regulated and you're both calm, talking about it, like, why are you not able to sit at the table? Why don't you want to sit at the table? You know, and he's like, Mom, I want to sit at the table. But I can't. And, you know, and then another thing I found out was he's not hungry. He wasn't hungry at 530. (laughs) You know, he had just had a snack a couple hours before after school. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And previously, every night at 8 or 830, he'd be like, Mom, I'm starving. I did the preparing ahead of time, proactive. I was like, okay, well, I can deal with that. I can get you a good snack. You know, and if I knew it was coming, it didn't take me by surprise. Once he's in bed, all tucked in, I'm hungry. Wow. So yeah, collaborative and empathy. Those are the those are the keys. It's almost the opposite of the way we were raised. You know, we were raised. It's like intimidate you more um, yes. to get yes. you to stop. Yeah, exactly. it's like the opposite. Um, right, fear based is the way. Like yeah, right. you know, I remember standing there thinking. Okay, I don't want to get spanked right. anymore. <laughs> and I want to see my girlfriends this weekend. So just keep your mouth shut, keep your mouth shut, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> you know, but I had the ability to do that. Like my older son had the ability to do that. It's like we don't get it that the emotional and the, and the mental developmental things of childhood are skills just like learning to walk. Like when it, when a kid is learning to walk, we think it's so cute when they toddle along and, and then they fall on their bum and they start crying. Oh, and we're like, Oh, it's okay. You know, just get back up. You can do it. You know, we're taking pictures and 
but <laughs> we don't look at the emotional needs in the same light. Right. Was this mm-hmm. beneficial for your daughter, this style? Did this style work with your daughter or are they just, you have to do two different, completely different things? No, it totally worked with my daughter. It was a little bit different because her behaviors, like I said, were passive. And so they're not in your face, but definitely taking away all of the consequences, all of the punishment for the bad behavior definitely made a huge difference because then I could find out why are you lying to me? Because she didn't want to do her homework because she doesn't know how to do the math, you know, and she knows if I, you know, if, if she didn't do her homework, she can go to um, youth group that night. So it was definitely beneficial to find out. um, And a lot of hers stems back to the trauma, um, which I think we don't know as a society, the, the medical system, the psychiatric system even does not have a clue of how much the bad behavior of a traumatized child plays into their trauma. They're not being horrible kids. It's trauma-based. Yeah. You know, my favorite quote from Dr. Ross Green is, kids are not giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time. If your perspective changes and you look at it from that point of view, then you'll stop punishing kids for their behavior. You know, wow. like we don't punish kids because they, when they're learning to walk, they fall. We're not like, you know, better than that. You know, you know, you shouldn't. So we need to be the same way when they're having a, a hard time. Right. So does dad eventually make it fully on board with this? He comes. Yes. Wow. Yes. He does. Um, he, every once in a while, he needs a little, <laughs> you yeah. know, a little reminder, like, you know, and, um, <laughs> But he he does, and he has repaired the broken relationship because he did have a broken relationship with both kids, and he has repaired that, you know, apologizing. I've had to do the same thing um, because it's easy to fall back into, you know, these things get on your nerves, you get tired of them. <laughs> and But that's the one thing, like, we come back and we're like, you know what, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have yelled at you. I shouldn't have done whatever. I'm still learning, you know, let's start over and go forward. Kids are so forgiving when you do that. They really, really are. So what does life look like today? What are the ages? What are they into? What's everybody doing today? My daughter's 18 and she's a junior in high school. So she didn't start school um, until she was six and a half. She is into photography. I finally got her an IEP. It took me six years, six years of working and fighting and advocating. Finally got her an IEP um, because she really, really struggles academically, especially in math. So she's getting the extra help. She has a therapist. She's in therapy for the trauma. And that she is an outgoing, very friendly girl and loves photography, sports. She's a huge baseball fan. Then my son is 19. And he has his drones pilot license that he got from a a special program at one of the local charter schools. Cool. I had to independently homeschool him for high school. Okay. There was nothing out there that fit his style. And we tried them all. 
So he one day went to start his own business flying drones. But in the meantime, he's working at Target and he's doing really well and he awesome. loves it. And I'm just thrilled that he can be there and love it because he has severe anxiety, but he's, he's doing well. He's doing great. Wow. My oldest son is living in Southern California and working at a coffee shop. He's a musician. He plays for a lot of uh, churches and he's getting ready to record his own um, album soon. And he's doing really, really well. Wow. Um, did your daughter get the IEP for the fetal alcohol syndrome? Is that how? Yes. Okay. That's how they, that's, yeah, that's how they qualified her. Wow. Uh-huh. So you, what a journey. Thank you for sharing your story. It's inspiring to, to see somebody make it through so many hurdles. There's so many bumps mm-hmm. on this road and I yeah. appreciate you being honest. Are you out there helping other parents and like, tell us what you're doing with your knowledge. Yeah. Going through this whole thing with my son and my daughter, but you know, my daughter, people understood, you know, because she was adopted and, you know, she was four years old, but my son, it was, it was a lot harder because he just looked and presented himself so quote unquote normal. I felt really, really alone. And I thought we were weird and there was something wrong with us. I really did. I was like, what am I doing wrong for him to be like this? But then, you know, as time went on, I began to see, no, there's a whole world of moms out there that are struggling just like I am. So because of that, I became passionate. Like, this is the reason I get out of bed in the morning is to help other moms and caregivers because there's a lot of grandparents raising their grandkids now. I teach a parenting class at the local Yuba College um, at the local college for kinship and foster parents. And it's almost all grandparents. And so I just became passionate about that, about helping these parents and helping them with the IEP process. Like a lot of them don't know that they can ask for the, the process. So I walk them through it. Here's the letter you need to write, you know, do this next, the timeline, because unfortunately the school system they know we don't know what we're doing, and so they will take advantage. And I've developed my own curriculum that's based off of Dr. Green's, but mine is a little heavier in the personal development and the mindset area because I found that that was the key, you know, going into it. So I'm teaching that now online. So, yeah, and then I offer the help for the IEPs, coaching. I'll talk to moms and grandparents. I just talked to one the other day. She's 56 and she's raising her four-year-old. Wow. Uh, it's just, it's just really sad. So I, that's my passion. That's, that's what are, I do now. <laughs> are you doing it one-to-one or in a, just a group setting? Do they have to be local to your area or can, can they reach you over social media? Yeah, what's the, yeah. what's the, what, tell us about that. Okay. Yeah, no, they don't have to be local to my area. I will talk to people one-on-one, but the classes I teach are in a group session. I really love that because there's a lot of interaction with the people, and there may be something that one person brings up that the other person's like, oh, yeah, I've been struggling with that too. So we can all learn from each other. So I have an email, um, and then I'm on social on Facebook and Instagram. I'm working on my website right now. I should my website should go live in about a, a week or so. Awesome. Um, but in the meantime, I have an email and Facebook and Instagram is Kim 
Rose Wilbanks. And you want me to tell my email yeah, address? Tell us, and then if you would send me the links that we can put in the show notes after, that'd be great. But just tell okay. us for the listeners that want are writing it down right now. Right. Okay. Um, moms of OOTBK at gmail.com. So I created this platform called Out of the Box Kids because my kids never fit in the box. They didn't fit in the special ed box even, which was shocking to me. So Out of the Box Kids is my, you know, is my logo and my name. So it's moms, M-O-M-S of O-O-T as in Tom, B as in boy, K as in kid at gmail.com. Awesome. Again, I really appreciate your honesty, sharing your journey. It helps me. It helps the listeners. Just kind of in closing, and please do send me those links so we can put it in the show notes. But in closing, what do you say, what do you say to the, the parent that's kind of at the beginning of their journey? They feel alone. They feel like what they know isn't working. What do you say to them? It's going to be a long journey that you're definitely not alone. There are thousands and probably millions of families and kids like your own out there in the world. But don't give up. Don't take what the doctor is saying or the school is saying or the teacher is saying as the last word, especially if you feel in your gut that something more needs to be done. Keep at it. Keep researching. Keep looking. Keep finding that answer until you until you get your child taken care of. Awesome. Uh, can people reach out to you just kind of for a free call to figure out if you're able to help them out? Yes, definitely. I offer a free consult, um, like a 30 minute call and just to kind of get them headed in the right direction. Um, they can ask any questions they want, see if, you know, my class is a good fit for them. Um, if they want to continue on. Awesome. Kim, thank you for taking the time today. I wish you and your family all the best. Thank you for inspiring me. You know, hopefully stay in contact and just kind of share one another's journeys as as time unfolds. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. It's a privilege to be here. Awesome. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. This concludes our show for today, and I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, And the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes and we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long. (laughs) 